Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, sometimes. The conversation's somewhat on topic and have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about maybe Linux just doesn't cut it for everybody. Let's get into episode 16. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. With me today is Wendy, the photographer angel of Tux Linux, always up in the air harping about something, and Matt, the gaming terror that goes flapping in the night most days. How are you two? I think that was the least positive intro you've ever (laughs) given me with the whole harping part, but I guess I'll take it as a mom of four. I mean, Michael and Ryan both say that I'm mean to them, so whatever. They deserve it. (laughs) Nate, I'll take the Darkwing Duck reference any day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were going to get that or not. Oh, totally. Let's get dangerous. Yep. (laughs) Wendy, I understand you've been talking about Linux with your oldest. Is this kind of like the birds and the bees talk or what? In a sense. Okay, so we were talking about this just a little bit before we started recording the show, and I may have misled you guys just a teeny tiny bit. You are under the impression that my daughter asked to switch back to Windows, and that's definitely not how this went. We were talking about video games while we were in the car headed to go do a school activity and some of the frustrations she's having. So we've had Manjaro on her laptop and I've gotten the Bumblebee Optimus Prime graphics working. Yeah, you said Optimus Prime. I did say Optimus Prime. I did, I did. The Optimus graphics. Anyway. It doesn't matter. I like it. They should just call it the Optimus Prime graphics. They should totally just call it the Optimus Prime graphics because Bumblebee doesn't have another name. Right. And then every time it boots up, it'll just tell you to roll out. It'll be great. There we go. (laughs) Ironically, with it being called Optimus, the actual trigger to switch it, though, is called Prime. Right. I know. That's what makes it funny. It's on purpose. It has to be. Oh, it totally is. So she's talking about some of the frustrations she's had because we were still having issues with the Prime graphics, the Optimus graphics on her laptop. It got switched over to Fedora and I have not gotten her NVIDIA card to work at all on Fedora yet. I'm sure that there's other things that I can look at, some different tutorials, but it's just an absolute struggle. And she was complaining about her laptop. I mean, otherwise she loves it. It's black and red. It's her colors. It has a backlight keyboard. Overall, it's a pretty nice laptop. If the NVIDIA graphics card was working properly if you could actually use it in the games. And I said something along the lines of, well, we could always put Windows back on it because it does have the compatible drivers in order to make that work the way it's quote unquote supposed to. And she goes, yeah, but Windows just looks so weird. It's so ugly. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, she's not wrong. Which I did play devil's advocate to be fair. And I said, yeah, that's because you've grown up in a house with a Linux laptop. You've been running KDE almost the entire time you've been using a computer where it is so customizable. It is absolutely ridiculous. She goes, that is true. It is almost ridiculous how customizable it is. And another kid who had had been using a Windows computer or a Mac computer their whole life, they think Linux looked weird. She's like, yeah, that might be true, but I don't want to use Windows. So we still have to get Optimus to work on our laptop because the kid doesn't want to use Windows. That's a smart kid right there. <laughs> Not going to complain about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to nuke and pave every six months. I mean, it's still a struggle in order to get that graphics card to work. And I have thought about wiping it, throwing Windows on it, selling it, and getting a replacement 
Part of the problem is laptop prices are so crazy to get a replacement. There's no way in order to make that like work very well. The price of selling the old one really won't make up for getting a new one, even if we did buy a used new one. So that's been a barrier to changing up laptops that way. And then it just takes time and energy to sell a laptop and I haven't had it. So she still has the laptop. It's covered in stickers. So that would be more work to get it ready to sell. I'd have to remove all of the stickers she has across the back of it. We're keeping it for now. Oh, that would be a pain. Yeah, very big pain. Lots of goo gone. You'd probably go through a couple bottles of it. Yes, yes, absolutely. A couple <laughs> bottles of goo gone, or I've got some 99% rubbing alcohol in my drawer. So I'd probably have to use at least half a bottle of that. That'll do it too. Yeah. I'm thinking there's probably gotta be someone like Bill or Keneal or somebody else in the network that would probably be able to help you out with those NVIDIA problems. I'm sure someone else has had the same problems. I'm sure they have. It's just finding the right person who knows the right tutorial to go to. That's the biggest issue in this is finding the tutorial that works for the current version with the current drivers and not something that's so old that, yeah, it might work kind of, sort of, but not completely because there's just been enough changes. It's not the same anymore. Or what would be better is if the BIOS just allowed me to turn off the Intel graphics and use the NVIDIA graphics all the time. Then it wouldn't be an issue. And it's really easy with the AMD machines. Out of curiosity, I know you've said you've Optimus Manager QT, I think is the app. Yeah. Have you tried telling it to boot strictly to the NVIDIA GPU on boot? It won't. It won't? Okay. That's part of the problem with this laptop is that... That's weird. Right. Exactly. It's really, really weird if you have it do that on boot. You just get black screen of death. You can't get anything else. Like, it will not boot unless it sees the Intel graphics first. That's pretty bonkers. I just find that weird because I know on the Intel NVIDIA machine I have that I'm looking at right now, doesn't do that, which is weird. So, I mean, granted, this is a 3050, but same principle. And that's part of the problem in getting support for this laptop in general, just because the hardware situation is so weird in how it's configured and how it wants to see how it has to see that Intel graphics first. That that's been the biggest issue because I'm like, ah, forget it. Let's not even mess with Optimus. Let's just go ahead and install the NVIDIA version of Manjaro, Garuda, whatever. Just install the base drivers. It will not boot. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you add to Grub. It will not boot. Hmm. Sounds like you need to call in Megatron to help out with your Optimus Prime issue. Uh, Megatron's <laughs> a bad guy. I don't think we want Megatron to come in because it might just completely destroy the laptop. I can get Magneto to do that. He'd be happy to break <laughs> stuff for me, but <laughs> I don't think that's what we actually want. No, probably not. Matt, you've had an extremely exciting week. Oh, wait, it looks like just the same thing as last week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> My section here is going to be really, really short. I did get the GPU installed. I got the new system up and basically it's been re-downloading stuff to the new system and reinstalling apps and all that stuff and getting my plasma set up the exactly the way I want it, even though Garuda does a pretty good job of that. There's still some minor tweaks that I have to make. So other than that, that's pretty much been most of my week. Not a whole lot of uh, exciting things going on for me in, in that regard. It's taking you a week to set up your machine. I'm just confused here. You harp on me for my distro choice. But I can get it set up in about an hour and, and it's taking you a week for your distro choice? Not so much the distro <laughs> choice, so much the lack of time. 
to actually find an hour to actually sit down and do said configuration. Oh, so okay. it's like all right, ten minutes here, five minutes here. It's like oh, I can mm-hmm. download some of these apps that I need and that kind of stuff. To be fair to the listeners, when we record this show, we take about like two and a half to three hours of Matt's time just for us, and so then he has no other time left in order to set up his machine. He's got to go back to work. That's what he says that happens. <laughs> It's usually more go to bed than go back to work. But yeah, you're mm. right. <laughs> okay, go to bed and then go back to work. See, he's telling us these things, but I think he's actually doing like a stand-up comedy tour. And he's just not telling us that he does. he's doing stand-up now. It would be way too dark for anybody to actually go see his stand-up. <laughs> well, no, see, if I was going to do stand-up <laughs> comedy, I would just walk up on stage, put an enter, and walk off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes to bring the house down, man. There's your jab, Wendy. Does that work for the playful banter? <laughs> One of several, I'm sure. I'm sure there's more coming. I don't know what you mean. We would totally never do such things. Never. Ever. So while I'm busy reconfiguring my machine to actually do things, Nate, you're configuring things in a different way with video games. Where's Nate? What have you done with him? Well, he's on vacation. He doesn't know what he's doing. He got lost in the woods someplace, and so we're just going to leave him there. What I've been doing is using Lutris to download and access my GOG game library. I was using Mini Galaxy, but I was having some issues with some of the Windows games, like not installing at all. So I used the Lutris installer. They have a little GOG login piece, which is fairly new in my Lutris time. It's probably been there a year. I just never noticed it. And I used that to connect to my GOG library. And I installed a game that I really enjoyed playing some... It's from the 90s, so about five, ten years ago or so. And uh, it's called Star Trek Starfleet Academy. It's such a fun game to play. It's kind of a, uh, we talked about last week, which is actually, this is actually why I installed it, because you're talking about like the full motion video games of the 90s. It was kind of the big thing, Matt, I don't know if you recall that or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recall that. I thought of Starfleet Academy, and I went to install it with the Mini Galaxy installer, but it wouldn't install. But you said, you corrected me right before the show that that's only good for Linux native games. All right, got it. So I used Lutris to install Starfleet Academy. It installed no problem. It's a little bit buggy, a little glitchy. I'm sure there's some tweaks that I can work with to get it to properly behave. Apparently, there's not a whole lot of people out there still playing the game, so there's not a whole lot of information, so I have to kind of sort of figure a lot of it out myself, and then I'll kick the information out there eventually. Basically, when I go into the menu, sometimes it freezes on me, and then also going around the bridge, it'll freeze on me. But if I don't go around the bridge and I just play it from the main screen, I guess, it works fine. That and also the warp effect, instead of having the cool little warp effect, it, it's just a big rectangle. Outside of that, the game works fine. I was really excited when it was playing and, and the music and, and whatever, and I was showing my oldest. I was all excited, and he looks at me and says, yeah, it's not really doing anything for me, but I can see it's really nostalgic for you, so that's cool, Dad. I'm like, thanks, son. At least you're understanding. That is the best kid response ever. That is absolutely fantastic. I wish I could give him a high five right now. Someday you can give him a high five for that. Don't forget, everything for Nate is nostalgic. That's true. It sounds like the sarcastic but supportive thing that would come out of my daughter's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he stuck with me right there to see how the game played and everything. Well, that's good. Thought it was cool. Yeah. He didn't obviously get excited about it. Anyway, so it was fun to play. I only maybe played 10 minutes of it. I got through like a mission and uh, I I remembered actually why it was such a fun game to play because you command your ship, whatever ship you choose. You have an Oberth, a Miranda or Constitution class starship. You know, do these little missions, you target things, you can switch between targets and using the keyboard and, and I use a joystick. Although I haven't used my analog joystick in a while, so it was acting a little bit, I don't know, goofy. Maybe I got to kind of massage it out. Maybe I got maybe I got to clean it or something. I don't know, just it has some drift to it. So it was really exciting. I'm really glad that I can play these games in Linux, the games that I enjoyed playing in Windows back in the day. Good times all around, for sure. 
This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your team can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean also provides you with predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. DigitalOcean helps teams regardless of size, whether you're a team of one to a team of 1,000 people. DigitalOcean helps your team grow with their simple, powerful cloud computing services. As a listener of Linux Out Loud and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. In fact, even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, you can get started with your $100 credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. Wendy, as you were talking earlier about your troubles with the NVIDIA graphics drivers on your laptop, it kind of brings up the idea that maybe Linux just doesn't cut it for every situation or everybody. Do you think you're going to find a solution for this, or do you think you might end up actually moving back to Windows just to be able to use the computer properly? If you remember back when we were talking about the VR setup right after the kids' HTC Vive showed up, we did install Windows on her laptop to try and see if that's one way we could get VR to work. So it's not like it's something we haven't done before in order to play games. Now, my daughter is against using Windows, which like we said earlier, I am completely and totally fine with. I'm pretty sure we'll figure out a way to use it, but not everyone is willing to jump through all of these different hoops in order to get Linux working on their system and to do the things that they want to use and to do the things they want to get done, the games they want to play on Linux. So yeah, we will get it figured out here. But I know a lot of different people that a long time ago would have said, bag it, that's it, I'm done, just put Windows back on there. And I will deal with the problems of Windows because at least I've got the drivers I need in order to get this machine to properly boot and play my games. I have to say, the frustration of the hardware not working properly with NVIDIA graphics, it kind of sounds a bit like my experience with NVIDIA, I don't know, a few years, ah, it's probably been like six years now. So I'm a little bit surprised that you're having these issues. Have you followed other, because you're using Fedora on that, correct? Yeah, we're using Fedora on it now. We've used Manjaro on it. I think we've had Kubuntu on there at one time. It just seems to be really consistent with this particular laptop. And I think part of the problem is this piece of hardware itself. It is an awesome laptop. It is called a quote unquote gaming laptop. Like I said, it's got some gamer-esque style when it comes to the case of the laptop. It's red and black. It's got red backlighting on the keys. It's, so it does have a little bit of flair to it. It's a decent spec machine. It is older. I'd have to go grab it to remember for sure exactly what the hardware is in it. So there are other people out there that are probably running Optimus just fine, no problem, easy install. 
especially with some of the tools you have in Manjaro or Garuda, they make it incredibly easy to get Bumblebee or Optimus working on a system unless you're dealing with this particular piece of hardware. And I think that's one thing we need to remember when we're talking about switching someone over to Linux or maybe them wanting to go back to Windows. It may not be Linux or Windows itself that's the overall issue, but the piece of hardware that that operating system is going on. Right. This is a very frustrating problem to have because you know, like Matt, he's using NVIDIA Intel Mix without any issues. I've had trouble in the past on it, but I never really pursued it. I just kind of sort of got rid of the hardware and said, you know, to heck with this. I mean, that serious isn't the right word, but very concerning problem. It's a frustrating problem. Frustrating, yeah. If somebody, like in that particular situation, like the hardware just physically not working and they want to eliminate the frustration, like you can't really blame them for wanting to go back and look and use what is just not going to have that frustration to begin with. Like as a user, I totally understand that. Linux users are a little bit of a different breed in that we sometimes are willing to take a little more into fixing something right. or researching something than most generic a tinker end users would. Yes, we, we tinker a lot sometimes. It's for people who like to mess with computers. It's people who like to control computers. There's a difference. Well, that too. I could totally understand that. And speaking as someone who uses all three major operating systems, and yes, I'm calling Linux an operating system before I get the, it's only a kernel people. Just so you know, if you had said GNU slash Linux, I would have just quit the podcast just now. I'm just saying. Oh, so now you know how to get Nate to quit if you ever like, oh, that's it. GNU slash Linux. All right, I'm out. <laughs> no, you're not. We all know better. Call the bluff. Nate, yeah, you would only bounce if I actually meant that. <laughs> if you actually enforced it, no, it's GNU slash Linux. I'd be like, no, stop. Just stop. FSF lost that battle. They can get over that. Anyway, I get the frustration. Having used all three, there's frustrations with every single one. Honestly, sometimes the best use is to use the thing that it was originally on it. So like you mentioned, Wendy, sometimes when we look at hardware or make hardware recommendations, it's not always the best experience sometimes to go and just throw a distro on a machine that was not built with Linux in mind. I would almost send people to those, I hate using the term boutique, but the Linux-specific hardware vendors, you know, the System 76s, the tuxedos, like those folks, because they tailor the experience on the hardware. Very much like what you would get with a Windows, no, not necessarily a Windows system, but like, like a Mac kind of experience with Linux, where experience of using it is fundamentally better. It's a complete product feeling. Yes. yeah, It's a vertical integration product, basically. So like they control the software, they control not necessarily the hardware, but like what goes into the machine and making sure that the software and the hardware communicate well. That speaks to a good experience to the end user. Sometimes I think when we <laughs> oh, just go install Linux on it, and that's not always the solution. I think it's naive to honestly use that as the vast suggestion sometimes that we do. Right. And to be fair, there are so many pieces of hardware now that you can put Linux on and it runs seamlessly, that there is no issues. There's a piece of hardware that I have that you have one of, Nate, and these are the Fujitsu laptops mm -hmm. that were donated by Bill and his company to use for school use. There were some bugs that him and Neil worked out in order to have them working properly. And there's certain aspects of them that still aren't golden and 
Now they are older laptops. They are definitely kind of a funny piece of hardware, but having someone there to support those made all of the difference in having them work right. right. Now, I do not have the technical skills, the coding skills in order to figure out how to best get that to work. It's one of those things that's on my wish list, but time-wise, it's probably never actually going to happen. And so if I wasn't surrounded by the community, if I didn't know the super awesome people around here, that laptop would have been on Windows a long, long time ago. Now, the opposite or the flip side of that coin is that there are so many amazing things that I do on Linux, and one of the reasons why I recommend it to people. I don't need to have a Windows machine in order to use my 3D printer. So many of the awesome slicers that are out there run just fine on Linux. I play some games every now and again. I'm nowhere near in the realm of Matt or Nate. Yeah, Nate, you may play older games, but you play a heck of a lot more games than I do. But for what I need, it works just fine on Linux. I can boot my system pretty much every single time. I know what I'm getting into. My system doesn't update on its own when I'm in the middle of a project, which is amazing. And last time we installed Windows for that VR trying to figure out the headset issues, it was an absolute nightmare to not only get Windows installed, which it took forever, that installation process takes forever, and you don't appreciate how fast a Linux install goes. Yes, Matt. Yes, Matt. Even on OpenSUSE compared to loading a Windows machine, just the sheer time it takes, and then having <laughs> to manually go find the drivers to install it. Now, I did have to manually go and find drivers in order to get VR working on Manjaro. It turns out the VR issue wasn't the headset itself, but once again, the hardware of my daughter's laptop. I know I've talked about this before, but here's the refresher on that. Yes, it has an NVIDIA card in it. NVIDIA says, no, you shouldn't be running VR on this graphics card, which we're like, ah, we're gonna try it anyway. But the biggest problem is that HDMI port is shared by both the dedicated graphics and the onboard graphics. And so that's where the issue was. There's just not enough power going to that HDMI output in order for it to work properly on her laptop. So they are having to use my main system in order to get that specific piece of hardware to play. It was not fun getting it to work on Windows or on Linux, but I got a consistent run on Linux with the hardware that I have on my main system. Positives and negatives. You know, it's funny how things like VR and some of these newer pieces of hardware, how fickle they are. It kind of reminds me about how fickle floppy drives were back in the 80s and 90s. You know, they'd work fine, then just all of a sudden just not work or something just wouldn't save or whatever. I'm sure in like five, 10 years, we're going to look back and say, oh, remember when VR was difficult to install? Yeah. One of these times it might be easy breezy, lemon squeezy. You get a new VR headset, plug it in and you're off in gaming. We're not there yet. No, we're not. It's interesting though, the issue with the HDMI out wasn't able to cut it from off the laptop. I mean, even if it, the output shares with the Intel graphics, it doesn't seem like it should still be an issue, but you know, what do I know? I don't have a VR headset, so I can't, t I can't test it against anything. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one of the things that we found when we were doing research on the issue that we had, because 
if you put the VR headset on, you could see the desktop. Like it was showing you the desktop of the laptop that she was running, this Windows desktop, but you couldn't actually play any of the games. It would launch them. It would launch them in a quote unquote VR mode, but that image was going on the main screen and not into the VR headset itself. And as we were diving into that, that is one of the reasons that it gave for that being a problem is you need to use an HDMI out directly on the graphics card itself, on the GPU itself for the best use. Right. For it to work its best. Yeah, I understand. It seems like it's still like a software switch that could actually be enabled to make it work. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, press play on tape, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I have to turn off certain things in my plasma settings because it wants to use the VR headset for different audio outputs and whatnot. Yeah, sometimes you may <laughs> want to have the audio going to the VR so you can have it plugged in with headphones. Though we've got Bluetooth headphones, we've got fairly decent speakers on the system. I typically don't route the audio through there. Once we do have a living room gaming system, that Which might be, be different. We might choose to, yes, absolutely, you might choose to use headphones. And then the VR headset could be on a dedicated machine that isn't my machine and the hardware is set up to make it work for that use case. For me, I think in that particular situation, Wendy, I, I would be so frustrated like with either thing not working, it'd be a Windows or Linux or whatever. And you'd almost like, is the piece of hardware, not like the computer, but is it like the Vive in your case? Is this broken? <laughs> so like I would totally understand any frustration anybody would have with that and again that would be a turnoff for really any os at that point if they're going through that much frustration to find out why are you working <laughs> i find that sometimes that's what we find with linux and a lot of times as linux users well let's just be real when we go back and use windows or mac os or a, the myriad of other operating systems that are out there we tend to I don't want to say turn our nose up, but we always tend to like to think way too often that our solution is like a one size fits all. But the reason we have so many distros is because one size doesn't fit all. <laughs> I do wonder if you would try something like Garuda, if maybe that would solve some of those problems. I have put Garuda on that system and we still run into the exact same issues. Now, it's been a while since I've tried Garuda. It could be that it would now work better than it did before. I don't know. We're almost done with all of the school year stuff. I haven't wanted to touch or mess with her laptop in the middle of her having working files and stuff that she needed. Yeah, we can do a backup and I try to regularly do a backup anyway, but it's such a pain for the system that she needs, the system that she uses for all kinds of different school things to just, oh, mom's got it for the day as I'm working on things, which is part of the reason I haven't tried very hard in order to get Optimus working on Fedora right now, just because that does take time, just because I need to have the time to do it and she needs to not need her laptop. So we're almost done with the school system. I may be able to try that. We might be able to try Garuda again. And we might just go right back to Manjaro because I know I have got it working on there before. One of the issues she was having though is after different updates, getting the black screen of death. Now, I mean, it is NVIDIA. It's one of the issues that you run into with NVIDIA on Linux. 
And this is one of those reasons that, you know, Bit Shady would be shaking his finger at me. He tells you, tells me, tells everybody. If you're running an Arch, Arch-based system, make sure you read the wiki when it comes to the updates. And I don't always do that. But to be fair, she was also getting these issues without having an actual update at all. So... I don't know. It's part of the reason why we jump for Manjaro on that system. Yeah, it runs every time she turns it on on Fedora right now, but we don't have use of the NVIDIA GPU. It goes back to the same point that I was kind of talking about earlier is hardware specific issues can be a really, really big pain because not everybody in the community has one. Not everybody in the community has this exact laptop. So I don't have someone I can go to that can look at the hardware, can look at what's going on in the software and be like, oh yeah, it's this. Let's do this with their super awesome brains to figure it all out. I don't have that. I don't have them here to look at that. And so just figuring out this weird hardware can be a major hurdle for people. And it's also one of those reasons that I'm for the most part pretty careful if I go to hand anybody a piece of hardware that has the Linux on it. Yeah, my dad is running a laptop with elementary but I didn't have to add the specific drivers in order to get touchscreen to work. I didn't add the specialty kernel in order to get the touchscreen to work. It worked just fine in elementary without having to do that. So I was far more comfortable in handing him that laptop to use where I know if there's anything that goes wrong with my husband's Surface Book, I'll fix it. Like I'm pretty much always here. We're usually together, especially evenings and weekends. And so I can fix it if there's an issue with the update where that's not always possible with my dad. It's not always possible with my in-laws. And if they had this really strange piece of hardware that I couldn't replace immediately, that could be a reason to go back to Windows on that system until A, I figured out a better solution and so it would run better with Linux on that strange piece of hardware, or until we could get that piece of hardware switched out. Because I don't want to leave anybody with a non-working system. I don't want to leave anybody with a system now that may boot, but they can't get their work done. They can't do the things that they enjoy on their system. So sometimes it is right to go back to the old stuff until you can figure out how to go back to or until you can figure out how to make Linux work. And for that person, maybe Linux doesn't ever work and that's okay. It's kind of funny because as of late, it's really been a case where Linux has just been working on basically everything, at least all the mainstream distributions have been. For you to be experiencing a problem with a graphics driver, in a way is kind of surprising, but also kind of not surprising. I mean, there are cases where Windows doesn't work well on hardware that I've experienced, and I don't mean the Steam Deck because I don't have one yet. <laughs> anyway, it's surprising, but not surprising. I guess it's one of those things. Hopefully you can f find some information that'll help kind of iron that out. It might be like such a little mundane little thing, like an additional flag in some config file someplace that'll make it work no problem. It's probably what it is, but you know, who knows? I couldn't say I've not really been in the NVIDIA game in that way for quite a while. I hope so. We'll definitely look it out more. It's not the first time I've had issues with hardware that's a little bit off or a little bit different. And I think this is where sometimes the forms get a bad rap is because you have somebody like I did with the first time I went to install Linux on my main desktop. It was a pre-built system, 
with an Asus board and I would go to load different distros and it didn't matter what I did. Like it said it installed properly, but I was having issues getting them to boot or was having issues getting the live USB to boot. Well, it took hours and hours of digging. It took me being dedicated and so done with Windows that I literally could not take it anymore in order to find the issue. So the issue on this particular board, on this particular pre-built desktop was that the automatic power states for the PCIe is what was making it flake out. And once I went into the BIOS and I turned that off so it wasn't doing that anymore, I never had another problem at all with either a live USB booting or a distro itself booting on that machine. But it wasn't something that was easy to find. And if I had gone to a board and said, hey, I can't install Linux, this is the issue I'm having, and everybody was like, well, do the general things, it would be pretty easy for me to get frustrated, not installed on there and be like, yeah, Linux doesn't work. It wasn't Linux. It was the hardware. And even in today where it works so well, I think we forget that there is still strange hardware out there. There are still people with pre-built systems that it might not automatically install so easy. And just to keep those use cases in mind, to keep that hardware in mind, that sometimes it really does take a little bit more trial and error, asking a few more questions in order to get things installed and working properly. And also keep in mind that some people aren't willing to do the trial and error. Right. It's where and how they value their time or, you know, effort or energies. And I can't blame people for looking to use things that while personally I try to minimize my personal usage of it, I can't rag on them for doing something that minimizes the amount of time that they aren't being productive either. The whole reason I use Linux is because it makes me more productive personally as far as like content and just being able to get anything computer stuff related done. If that's my mentality to computing, how am I going to kind of rag on somebody for having the same mentality? But it's just not my preferred tool. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I like Block & Decker. I like DeWalt kind of deal to me. It's like, you know, use whatever. But one of those sounds really, really cool. The other one doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I agree. You know, a computer is a tool. It is a, to use the power tool analogy, it's a saw, it's a drill. It is a thing that does a job and is supposed to do the job well. And if you have to fiddle with the tool and mess with it just to keep it running, or if it doesn't do the task that you want it to do, you got to replace something, either the tool itself or in this case, maybe the operating system. And I don't fault anybody for that. I don't want to be frustrated by my technology. That's kind of the key thing. If my technology is frustrating, then it's not fun to use. It doesn't make me productive. And in fact, it takes away from productivity because of the frustration. It's one of those unfortunate things, you know, when you realize that, no, this hasn't been the case for me, but maybe Linux doesn't quite cut it for a specific job. That's incredibly, I don't know, for me in my, in my nerdy little world, that's actually pretty devastating in my nerdy world, obviously not actually devastating. It makes like owning a piece of hardware for me sad and I just don't want it anymore. But I realize that your case is quite a bit different. It's really hard to admit sometimes that, hey, maybe Linux isn't the best for this particular piece of hardware and these are the options. We can replace the hardware or we can put this other thing back on that hardware. But it's hard for other people who maybe want to come over to Linux 
or are looking at Linux from the outside in, if we're not being honest about those things, if we're just happy and cheery and, oh yeah, Linux works on everything, but this person's had a bit of an experience and we just brush it off like, oh, whatever. No, we need to be open and honest about the fact that, yeah, there's still pieces of hardware that Linux doesn't play well with. Right. And one thing I do want to note, though, and I'm not going to point the finger at, oh, it's because it's Linux and it doesn't work. I'm going to point the finger at the people that are supposed to be responsible for it. And, you know, that's usually the ODMs or the OEMs when it comes to that. You want to complain about drivers, there's a place to lay the blame. Oh, Asus or, you know, insert ODM, OEM here. My piece of hardware doesn't work because of that. Make enough of stinking, you know, why does my stream at deck, the Elgato stuff, work very well? Point the finger at Elgato, not the system you're trying to use. Totally get the frustration of the fact that the hardware you have is not working. Totally get it. But I'm not going to blame Lennox. I'm going to blame the company who made the piece of hardware that doesn't work with my system. Right. And as per last week's conversation, if you're having those issues with a particular piece of hardware that you want to use on Linux, don't whine about it. Don't say that the product is trash or that the company is trash because they don't have open source drivers. This is one of those places where you can ask nicely and start that conversation to get those drivers for those pieces of hardware. And just remember, kids, see what happens when asking nicely. We get things like NVIDIA actually starting to weirdly play ball with Linux, which is just weird. Because like one of the new things was they came out with a list of why certain things in Wayland don't work. Like almost like a transparency thing, which for NVIDIA is like, what? Yeah, it is pretty wild. When you play nice, companies will play nice. You can also voice your concerns and still be nice about it. So by all means, voice your concerns. Just be nice. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords, and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. Say you want that premium account that starts at just $10 per year. What comes with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash T-U-X to get started for free. If you're like me though, you want to show your appreciation for this awesome open source project by signing up for that premium edition, especially since it starts at just $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. Well, Wendy, since you can't upgrade your laptop yet, you are doing some other upgrades to your 3D printer. What are these upgrades? Yes, these are very, very basic upgrades, beginning upgrades. So the first thing that was done was the Capricorn Bowden tubing. This all arrived yesterday. And so that was upgrade number one. And then the other upgrade I think is far more important, especially for my machine and the sheer amount of hours that it's run already. And that was the all metal feed extruder. So that motorized area where it's pulling the filament through on my... Ender 5 Plus, the big Ender 5, 
it came with the plastic one. And before I was just seeing that, yeah, using the metal one because there's not so much flexion going on in that extrusion feeder that you can have better, cleaner prints and whatnot. And I was looking up some instructions on how to properly swap those out. Somebody brought up a really interesting other tidbit, the hole where that filament is feeding through because it can be abrasive, actually can take that circle and turn it into an oval. And sure enough, I pulled it off and it had already eroded enough of it that it was an oval shape, kind of an egg shape. Now, to be fair, I've probably put... I don't know, five full days, maybe a full seven days worth of hours on this machine running consistently. And the filament has been eating away on that extremely important piece of the 3D printer. So if you have Hmm. a 3D printer and it's using that plastic extrusion feeder frame, absolutely go ahead, get that swapped over to a metal one. They're really pretty inexpensive. It was super, super easy to get swapped out. Now I did a test benchy before I had done any updates and I did a test benchy afterwards and In this case, I really didn't notice a difference in quality at this time between the two different prints, but it would have become an issue down the road had it been left to continue in this erosion process. Now I'm looking at other upgrades. The other upgrades I'm looking at are a little bit more expensive. I do have some stainless steel nozzles that I now have on hand, but I bought pretty cheap ones and maybe they're not the best nozzles to go ahead and throw on my machine. But some of the additional upgrades that I'm looking to do are changing out the hot ends on it, getting some that have a little better heat detection, a little bit better in how they control the heat and where that heat goes. It's not something that absolutely has to be done. I think for the most part, my print quality has been fantastic, except for one print that I did very, very recently, and I hadn't had this happen before, and I was editing episode 15. I was like, oh my goodness, Nate talked about this, and that was shift. So I had tried to use the hairspray trick instead of the glue stick trick in order to get things to stick on my plate because I've been having issues with that. We've talked about that in the past. I don't know if it was necessarily the brand of hairspray I have or whatnot, but it did not work. The bottom of this thing that was printed is like super, super slick. Like it has been sanded and polished. Hmm. It is incredibly slick. So I knew before that it kind of raised the corners that it raised. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we've had some adhesion issues here. And then it was getting really, really close to done printing. And an entire massive section was not lined up where it was supposed to be. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Were the kids messing with it? I don't understand. Why did it shift so bad? Because it's still, even though I said I'd probably try and get it fixed by this week, I haven't. It's still in my dining room, so people are still walking past it. (laughs) And if I have a little bit of an adhesion issue, I had massive movement, massive shifting. Hairspray doesn't work for me. At least that brand didn't work for me. Staying with the glue stick trick because it has worked fantastic. Sometimes it works so well that getting things off the build plate is difficult. But at this point, I would rather struggle to get stuff off the build plate than having ruined prints because they're shifting on the build plate. Now, this particular thing, even though it shifted, I'm still using it. I am putting a bunch of my different skincare and makeup stuff in this organizer for 
the bathroom sink, which Magneto is extremely thankful for. He's like, yes, get that crap off the sink or at least make my room. And I'm like, hey, you're welcome. That's awesome. (laughs) So that's what this one's for. I don't care if it's a little ugly. It's our bathroom. Nobody else sees it. It's just for me, just for us. And it'll be a constant reminder of make sure that my adhesion's good when printing stuff. A constant nagging reminder to make sure that your print doesn't shift ever again. Yes, exactly. Every time I do my skincare routine in the morning and night, there it is. It's laid out for me. Make sure your adhesion's good. Yeah, I have to say I've been pretty fortunate with how well my adhesion's been going on the glass plate. I've really dialed in very well. Currently, it's dialed in well. I mean, these things always seem to kind of undial themselves. Right. The plate, so it's just the right distance away that I've not been having any issues with adhesion. I don't know if you've tried the paper trick. Well, yours is an automatic leveler, so I don't know. Maybe Mine does some automatic leveling, but I have had to offset the Z-axis. So I've had to use the paper trick in order to make sure that the Z-axis in the middle is proper. And everything's looking pretty gosh dang good there. So I don't know if it's just this particular machine, if it's just this particular glass build plate. I seem to be pretty weird. I'm running into all kinds of like strange issues all the way around when it comes to hardware. And this is another one for me. NVIDIA, build plates. Yeah. Right? Weirdness. You may want to try just checking the distance one more time. Like I have it where the paper is dragging just a little bit. It seems to be just the right distance away for my printer anyway. And it's been, it's been cranking away pretty regularly. So I, I know I'm doing okay with it right now. I will definitely go ahead and check it again. I was having an issue with a massive amount of prints that I had to do. I don't think it was last week. Maybe it was the week before. There were some certain things that we couldn't find in town that needed to go into some shadow boxes for the kids for an award ceremony. And so I ended up having to 3D print them. Nice. And there was a particular item that, of course, I didn't want full size. By itself was way too large. So I shrunk them down quite a bit. And they were tiny enough they weren't sticking, like there just wasn't enough surface area. And in that case, I had to add supports, some extra rafts to them. And then they stuck down just fine. So they weren't sticking with the glue trick. They weren't sticking with hairspray. They, Yeah, unless there was a raft, some extra filament laid down around them, they weren't staying. So sometimes I think that's just the downside. The piece itself is too small and it's messing with the adhesion in those first couple layers. But I will definitely check the height of my 3D printer again. I mean, heck, it can't hurt anything to double check it, check all of my settings again, and just make sure we're getting the best prints possible with the best adhesion possible, preferably without any of these tricks. Now you are doing some repairs to your 3D printer. You're preparing the cubicle labs for this mini factory, this micro factory that you're going to have going in there. How are those repairs and how is the CNC build going? Good. Now, so I had to repair my 3D printer again. It seems like parts just kind of wear out in it, which I guess you're experiencing too. My feeder, I think is metal because it has like a brass insert for everything that's guiding through there. So I think it is metal. Now I'm all concerned because if you're upgrading yours, I haven't had any issues with mine yet, but now I, I need to check it out. It seems like where the Bowden tube, that like pneumatic fitting, essentially that it goes through, I've been having those things seemingly wearing out on me and so they get loose and then I get some buildup of filament between the nozzle and the end of the Bowden tube because it's shifting. Oh, wow. Yeah. I bought a package of these things and they're supposed to be better. So I guess we'll see, but I I did have to replace that once. And then I was having, my nozzles were getting kind of clogged up. So apparently after some time, the nozzles start to get some filament buildup on it that doesn't actually get cleaned through. I looked at different ways of cleaning it and 
what I ended up doing was basically first manually, mechanically removing what I can out of it using my heat gun or whatever else. Then I soaked the nozzles in acetone, near 100% acetone, since I couldn't find 100%. I got like 98%. That's strong still though. Yes. I have one nozzle that's still soaking in there. I soaked the nozzles. First, I tried gasoline. That, That didn't work at all. Uh, that was a total waste of time. But the <laughs> the acetone worked quite nicely. Are you using brass nozzles? Yes, I am using brass nozzles. One of the recommendations that I saw on machine maintenance was to replace them at least once a month because they're a softer metal and just the abrasion of the filament mm-hmm. running through them wears them out on the inside. And so there is too much melted filament hanging out inside of them. So that could be one of the things that you need to do mm. is you've done lots and lots of printing. Maybe just completely toss those ones, send them to recycling, and replace that nozzle altogether. That could be. I mean, they're not that expensive. Right. I like to use things until they're absolutely worthless. Maybe it's time to replace the nozzles again. I'm on my second nozzle now, but I did clean it and it seems to be working fine at this point. But I'm printing parts for this low rider CNC now. The design was changed a little bit from the version 2 to version 3 that was on this uh, mostly printable CNC. And I like this design a lot better, so I'm kind of glad I was sidetracked for a while on other things. When I moved into my house here, this property... I basically moved everything into cubicle labs and then I've just been filtering it into the house as I've needed it. As with anybody who's moved, boxes end up not getting sorted through. So I've been making a point to literally sort through every box and either get rid of it or find a home for it. So it's kind of in this like final push. One of the things I was just sitting out is a old monitor, a flat screen, a wide aspect ratio, uh, like a Polycon or Polytronics, one of these like late 90s, early 2000s conference room type monitors. So it's pretty heavy. And I decided I want to monitor by my workbench out there. I hung that out yesterday and I, I hooked up, a, of course, an OpenSUSE Templeweed machine, which actually hasn't been updated since last summer. But it updated fine. No problems. It's not like Arch, which doesn't update very well. So I'm using that out there so I can either monitor the machines or Home Assistant or I can look at the Octopi or other things, YouTube even, maybe listen to stuff. So it's kind of nice to have that out there in the workshop area rather than drag a Bluetooth speaker from my studio here and hope it doesn't like crackle out you know, because of the metal walls and everything else. So I'm getting very close to actually assembling things. I got a workbench I need to put together here now. As soon as I get through the last couple of boxes of things, I could probably just shift them and put the bench there. It's not that much more to go through. Start setting everything up, move the table that I built for the CNC into position, and then actually start assembling all the pieces. I have quite a bit more to print yet. It's it's a lot of printing to do. I'm hoping the printer holds out. I'm going to order those nozzles today because I'm sure I'm going to have problems again. I'm hoping that in the next, if not next week, the week after, I should hopefully be actually doing some cutting of material on my CNC. I'm really, really excited to see this come together. I'm also curious about which instructions that you're using in order to build the CNC machine, because I don't know that you've actually mentioned the instructions themselves. I wish we had room for one. Yeah, we've got a garage and it could probably go out there, but it means cleaning out the garage in order to get the CNC machine to fit in there. Hey, maybe it's one of those reasons to finally get the garage cleaned out. I mean, heck, we've only lived here for almost eight years. Maybe it's time to get all of those boxes that you talked about that when you move, sometimes they don't get gone through. Hey, actually gone through. Yeah, I put the link in the show notes of the machine I'm using. Perfect. If nothing else, Magneto can look at it and maybe he can break the instructions remotely. Awesome sauce. I bet he could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, I might be playing out in Cubicle Labs, but you are playing with some Nintendo stuff. Yeah, I am. 
out of the last two months, this has probably been the only game I've actually like consistently played, but it's like I take a bite out of it like over the course of a week. So it's like 10, 15 minutes here, 10, 15 minutes there. Not a whole lot of time, unfortunately, which is weird given the fact that it's a JRPG. These are usually 60, 100 hour type games. So hence the reason it's taking me two months to actually kind of beat the game. So this game is Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. This is a uh, remake, remaster, however you want to, terminology you want to use for that, of the Wii game Xenoblade Chronicles. Character models have been updated. They're using the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 engine, I believe, for the base. It's just a replaying of old Wii game that came out in 2010, if I remember correctly. Definitely a fun game. It's a game that focuses on character building, relationships, world building, nice big open worlds to explore, which is really weird given the fact that this was originally a Wii game. Not exactly something you would think of for like the Nintendo Wii. It was like big open world. Yeah, no, this is a really big game as far as like open world type of exploration and stuff. It's not like Witcher 3 or, you know, Oblivion or Elder Scrolls type of open world, but the open world nature of the game is open enough. Combat is kind of MMO-ish and you control kind of one main character. They have auto attacks and then you can select uh, your abilities to use when you have met your cooldown times if you've already used them and all that fun stuff. So it's very MMO-ish in that regard. There's no like character switching or anything. But the cool thing about the definitive edition that I did like is the fact that they added content and not just like a little bit of content. They added, I believe from what I've seen and how long to beat that there's like 13 hours of extra content or 20 hours if you do all the side content as well on this extra content that they provided. And it's called Xenoblade Chronicles Futures Connected, if I remember correctly. I have yet to actually play that part. <laughs> That's why I said I kind of beat the game. Like I beat the original remaster portion. I haven't played the new portion. Okay. I bought it physically. I would say given how I view games and like worth and all that kind of stuff. Is it worth the 60 bucks? If you haven't played it, it's definitely worth getting, If you, especially if you played the, actually the second one. came out a couple of years ago. There's uh, Chronicles of Torna, which is uh, like a prequel to the second game. The reason I'm making this recommendation for this game, though, is because Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is coming out, which ties all these games kind of together. There's kind of one outlier that came out on the Wii U that doesn't really count because there's no apparent remake or remaster of that one ever coming out. So it's kind of stuck on that outlier system that Nintendo likes to forget about. Shame on them. I love the Wii U. It is a fun console. I think so too. Bad marketing. Just look at the name. The name says it all. But <laughs> as far as this particular game, I definitely enjoyed it. I would say it's worth the 60 bucks. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Most of these game recommendations really hard <laughs> but if you're into story focused games and like kind of like those mmo battle systems and kind of open worldish kind of games this is definitely be up those alleys for those type of people though well it looks real interesting I mean, a lot of these style of games i would say i'm not extremely interested in but i do like the styling of this one a lot it looks like a fun game you could sit down and play with the wii i would probably want to buy the physical copy if anything yeah, no, it looks, it looks really cool, I think. I can see why you'd make this as a recommendation. Yeah, people say, oh, it's another anime-type game. I was like, oh, if you actually look at the original game, that's not actually like the way the character models are. It's just because of the engine rebuild that they used on it. But overall, like I said, the game, because I played the original, the game holds up very well. A crispness to the game that 
obviously wasn't in the original, just given the horsepower difference between the two consoles. I don't know. I might check this game out. We'll see on that one. I stopped listening to you and I just started looking at the game stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> now you just go down and click the buy button. Click physical, uh, click buy. Mm, <laughs> look at that. Only 60 bucks. I mean, it's not really that bad. There's your enabler. Mm, yeah, you're a bad person. So Matt, I don't know if you heard, but there's going to be a charity event that we're doing very soon. Have you heard? Yeah. On June 20th, from 9 a.m. to June 21st, 9 a.m., so a 24-hour live stream. Do you know about this? It's a cure, the Citizens United, to in research for epilepsy. The goal is $1,500. And if this goal is reached, then we're going to have a community game night live stream of one of the greatest games ever made among us. And Matt, you're going to be playing this. Nate, you forgot to mention the part that I'll be playing this begrudgingly. <laughs> No, 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 no. You are going to be playing it with a giant smile on your face and glee in your belly. Yes, especially <laughs> if we raise that $1,500 for cure. That'll make it worth it to you. You will suffer through among us because, hey, we've at least met this goal for the charity, right? Exactly. He's going to love it. So, Matt, are you are you excited about this game stream? Do you have a list of games you're going to play already? I do have a list of games Partially, I'm looking to play, but there's a few games that I want to get the community's feedback on so they get to vote for some of the games that will be played and stuff. Well, I'm excited. I want to harass you as much as possible for those 24 hours. Um, I do need my beauty sleep. Not that it does any good, but I definitely am going to do what I can to make sure that you are laughing. Something tells me, Nate, you're going to be the one that's going to try to do everything to make sure that goal gets reached along with Wendy so that I do have to swallow that pill and suffer and play Among Us. I mean, to be fair, really, that's what we want is for you to play Among Us. I want great things for the charity too, but this has been something we've been working on for... What, since December now? So, Six yes. months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over a year. This is yeah, our major actually, goal. Seven months if you count like the month lead up to the last charity right. event. Exactly. So <laughs> this is a long-term goal for us. Yeah. My primary goal is the 15 grand, 15 grand, the $1,500 for you to play among us. Secondarily is, of course, the uh, epilepsy research. I mean, for me personally, I have to be selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it costs me, I'm going to be selfish on this one. So what Nate is saying is he will help make sure you reach that goal. Yes, this is true. I will do what I can to make sure you reach that goal, whatever it takes, because <laughs> it'll be worth it. <laughs> Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description, find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, Gamesphere, Linux Saloon, and more at tuxdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be here shirt. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome sode of Linux out loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. Also, make sure that Matt plays Among Us. Mm-hmm.